Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening today. It's Will with ScheduleFly here, and I have Erica Palicelli on the phone. Erica is in New York, and she's a partner in uh, four really awesome businesses uh, that started with Three Brothers Winery back in 2007, and now she and uh, her partner, partners Dave and Luann Mansfield also have HGA Stead, which is a restaurant they opened last summer, their first restaurant. Uh, they have Warhorse Brewing Company and Ironheart Coffee Company up in Geneva, New York, and they're they're kicking ass and doing a lot of good stuff and have built a really successful business. So uh, she's very busy, and it was awesome for her to join us today. So thank you very much, Erica. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. I'm an avid podcast listener, so uh, it's exciting for me to be able to be on a podcast. <laughs> Oh, that's cool. What what are your some what are some of the podcasts you listen to? Oh, jeez. Well, lately I've been listening a lot to Vlog Boss Radio. Um, I've been thinking a lot about starting a vlog for our business, our businesses, and kind of the behind the scenes of what I do. And so I've been really putting a lot of consideration into that. Of course, I listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, <laughs> Gary V. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, I I listen to that mostly for inspiration in business, but there's a lot of kind of lifestyle stuff too. When you're a business owner, you know that there's not really a line between personal and actual mm-hmm. business every day. So um, those two come to the top of my mind because they're the most recent. But You know, it's interesting because as a business owner, it never leaves you, and but that's like a good thing, right? I mean, if you're doing what you love mm-hmm. um, and you really enjoy – um, building a business and running a business, it's kind of like this, you know, it's, I, I find it a, a blessing in a way that I, I schedule fly never leaves my mind, rarely uh-huh. leaves my mind. It's there every day, but I, I like, I, I don't know what I'd do without, I love it. Is that, do you feel the same way? I don't know what I'd do without schedule fly either, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I meant about your businesses. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, I do feel the same way. It's always at the top of my mind. Um, I'm lucky, you know, my significant other, Justin, he actually makes the wine, um, the hard cider, and he just actually was promoted to um, all of beverage production management. So um, I see and work with him often, and at home, you know, we we went through the phase where we're like, we're just going to kind of try to shut it off and focus on home stuff, but really there is no home stuff because it's all the time, it's always on. And so we try to um, just keep the conversation positive. There's always, it's always tough. There's always in hospitality, especially I find um, now that we opened our restaurant concept even more, believe it or not, um, that if there's just, there's struggles here and there and a lot of them have to do with human resources um, because we depend a lot on people for all of our businesses. Um, we have over 100 part-time employees here at the winery and microbrewery. And on-site, we also have a cafe. Um, and then for the restaurant, we have a very small group. It's a tiny, teeny, tiny restaurant on Linden Street in Geneva, New York. And um, I'm noticing that although that's our smallest project we've ever done, it's been um, the biggest struggle to get people. Um, and I don't know if it has to do with the hours of operation because we do open early and close late or if it's just hospitality uh, we're in kind of a rural area here and so to find uh, people that are doing being servers professionally is not the norm you you kind of have this flux of students and um, people who are just transitioning in life that aren't they're not professional servers they're just kind of trying to make a buck while they're doing their you know as their little side hustle so um, 
we're always thinking and talking about people and how to uh, to best manage them. And so I find that for me, when I'm trying to do better in business, I go, I kind of turn to podcasts and books and things like that to try to figure out, is there something I'm missing here? Because I'm really trying, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I want to I want to talk a little bit more about that because um, th- this is something that I mean I, literally like every owner that I interview and that's been for the podcast and we've done a couple of books and we've done some videos and film work and it's I mean, that aspect is is a big challenge for everybody and uh, I know that I read on one of your you know somewhere on one of your websites about hospitality is at the core of everything that you do and uh, it's an interesting dynamic I think because. It is for you, and it's natural, and it is for Dave and Luann, and it, it's, it is for some people. But for some people, it's just it's a job. And I mean, what do you do? Like, how how do you try to help instill in that that same philosophy in the people that are just there working a job, you know, to make an extra buck? Well, for us, um, what we've been really focusing on is the experience for our staff. So. You know, experience is always at the core of what we do at Three Brothers. It sets us apart from our competition. And of course, it's in the Finger Lakes. It's always friendly competition because the wine, the wineries along the trail need each other, um, so that there's a draw to the consumer to come to the Finger Lakes, visit, and make a, a weekend or a week out of it. Um, but the experience at Three Brothers is totally unlike any other winery that you've probably ever been to. So you come, you step out of the parking lot, you know, your car in the parking lot, and there are three wineries and a microbrewery and a coffee house that you walk around to, you know, right in upstate New York in the middle of nowhere with a beautiful view of the lake. We grow all of our own grapes um, and make all of our own wine and beer. We also have hard cider and uh, craft sodas. And so when we, we focus so hard on the customer experience, each winery has to be totally different because what would be the sense of having three wineries that are all the same, right? And so um, we, at our core, we really, everything we do goes back to that experience and hospitality. And so I took that kind of a step further when we started to really think about how to train our staff and what the culture of three brothers, working for three brothers is, what we want it to be like and decided that it's also an experience for them, right? And so whether this be just a transition through life, whether they're trying to step into a hospitality job or get into the wine industry, um, that they need to have an experience here too. And so we've, over the years, tried to set ourselves up as the winery that you want to work at. And so um, that takes a lot. We have a lot of side training programs that are um, voluntary that, Staff can come and they can sit with a winemaker. Actually, we have one this Friday. It's an hour after work. They're bringing all dry rosés from the Finger Lakes to a table. And the winemakers are going to talk about those dry rosés with anybody interested from our staff. And so we do a lot of team building. You know, we have um, employee participate. Um, participating programs where they can, you know, this summer they'll all bring something, a dish to pass, and pass, and we'll provide the meat and have a barbecue out in the vineyard. Um, we'll do tie dyeing together, and then there'll be like a weekend where everyone's wearing their tie dye, things like that, to create that culture where you, it's not just a job; it's also an activity. It's something to do. It's something that you enjoy doing. And I find that most people, at least that come here to work, have some kind of interest in wine or beer. Um, so it's 
it is a, already a hobby for them. And I think with the restaurant, there that's where it's a bit different because a lot of people that go to the restaurant aren't necessarily interested. Our concept is very farm to table. We have a lot of uh, great farmers and such in the region where we can really draw from them to design our menu. Um, and our chef there, Samantha Baskis, is renowned in our region. She actually has some um, some notoriety. She was on Chopped um, on the Food Network. <laughs> so we're, that was a while ago, but we still um, she still gets that all the time. Weren't you on Chopped? Um, <laughs> and it's her life to live and breathe food. You know, when she's not working, she's traveling the country and looking at service styles and menu um, design, and she's really thinking a lot about that. She's doing a cookbook this year. Uh, that'll be her second cookbook. But the people that she's managing within that restaurant don't necessarily have food as the top of mind for their life. They're actually people who are trying to make money. Um, they're in, you know, they're either in school. We have a lot of students in the area that work for us. Um, and so that's been a challenge to get them to be really excited about what we're doing at the restaurant um, as opposed to at the winery when we have people come in because there's not many people who come here that don't really already enjoy learning and drinking wine or beer. So it's, it is an interesting dynamic and it's made it tough to find the right fit down there for staffing. Um, we also have a, a coffee program. We have beans roasted for us in a lo at a local roastery. And so we have a really kind of good coffee program. I'm also noticing people who apply for the barista position they're very interested in coffee already. So it's not you're not really trying to get them to know coffee. They're already very into it. And um, so I don't know if that answers your question. I think that we try our hardest to integrate them all together here at the winery. We even bring the staff from the restaurant to the winery to get one-on-one -on -one training with the winemakers and the beer makers um, so that they feel – they understand the concept because really it's an, it, well, the way we always saw that concept of the restaurant is to be an extension of our brand here at Three Brothers. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely does. And, um, you know, the, I think the, the challenge, I think a lot of times with the restaurant and the staff is it's, um, you know, you've got coffee folks who are naturally curious about coffee, wine folks, beer folks about those things. And if you're not necessarily as curious about food, it seems like one of the common threads, that I hear a lot of people talking about are just trying to find people that are that kind of have a servant's heart, um, you know, that, that get pleasure out of serving people and making people smile and making people happy, and that that the money is the byproduct of that, not the not the objective. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, Hard if to you find think that. about it, I was listening to a, a, a something on NPR actually where they were saying that you know back in the '80s there was this big push. Um, out west especially for people to go to college get a degree and become a professional and that's when you start seeing this interesting shift where people don't look at the trades as professions anymore as far as you know um, going to college and becoming that professionally so um, yeah. I think there's a real shortage of professional serving staff and um, that you know we need to be able to pay these people more and let them live a, a living wage off of what they're doing because um, they're who we need. You know, more and more people are eating out now, but there's this dynamic of there's not enough servers. Um, and so I also feel like because of that, you know, my generation, I'm 34, um, 
there's a lot. I notice sometimes when I go down there for short staffed, I'll be serving, and these people are waiting on. They have no idea who I am or that I'm in, that I'm you know really involved in the business or not. They don't care. They're just trying to have a great time together. And I'm, but the way that they, the way some people treat servers as, on the other end is also I think part of the mm-hmm. issue where people don't really see themselves as professional as kind of an, a job that they should be proud of. And I think that. I love doing it. I love going down there and serving and um, talking to people and helping them enjoy their experience at the restaurant. So um, I think there's it, it's a little bit of the responsibility of also the patron coming in um, because, yeah, you're there, you're paying, you're trying to enjoy yourself, but there's no reason to treat a server like they're your servant, you know. And so um, that's kind of what I've been seeing a lot of too as I dive into the restaurant world over there. What do you do in that situation? I mean, do you look at it like, okay, uh, this is an opportunity to um, try to find, you know, try to provide some joy to this person who's kind of treating me like crap. Maybe this person's miserable anyway in life mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I mean, what do you do as somebody I mean, who who does have that mentality, who is so involved? And in, you know, what, how do you handle those situations? It's just the way I handle it in everyday life. You know, you can't make people happy that aren't happy. So um, I just kind of take it with a with a grain of salt and continue on with my day. Don't let it affect me personally. Um, and I try to be demonstrate to the staff I'm working with that that's the way I act. I'm not going into the kitchen and talking badly about the person. I'm not whispering to another server that that person was mean to me. I'm acting with integrity and treating the person the way that, you know, I would want to be treated or the way that they should want to be treated. And so um, I, don't, I don't really take it to heart but it takes thick skin, you know. I've had yeah. some servers who've just completely lost it, walked off the floor. Um, you know, I've had servers who just get really flustered, and then that starts showing in their, at their other tables that they're waiting on. And so for me, I try to be um, a coach and a mentor for those people so that they can see. I'm working the floor here at the winery, too. I mean, just this Saturday, I was here all day working the floor. I think that it's important as partner here as I continue to grow in responsibility and have less and less time to do it for me to make time to go out on the floor. And that's where I connect with the customer and the other part-time staff. I mean, I see things that I wouldn't see from my office. And so um, for me, it's kind of field work and it's part of the gig. Um, But I try to use those moments as teachable moments for the staff that's working, you know, how I would react, how I'd like to see them react, and then give them the support too. You know, the customer is always right, but so is the person working. You know, if they're not feeling respected and they're not feeling good about it, you give them the support so that they're not their day is not ruined. You know, they may the customer may, may not be treating them correctly. It doesn't mean that you know you have to just. It, you should also give support to your staff. That's my feeling on yeah. it. Um, it. I don't ever talk poorly about the customer, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, they're just probably having a bad day, and so. I feel bad for them, you know, not you so much. So try to keep it light, try to let everyone vent, but also move on with the day and not take it too personally. Well, I think the time you spend on the floor too is uh, – I, I admire that. and I, I just That's such a great way to lead by example, and I, I've got to imagine that it really <clears throat> um, – it draws a staff closer to you because they can trust and respect that, you know, you're doing what they're doing. You're willing to go in and, and, and not just kind of lead from the top and say, do this, do that. But, you know, you're, you're setting an example that's easy to follow when you see it in action. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's the way a lot of small business owners probably operate. I imagine that I can't imagine not doing anything myself before I ask someone else to do it. So, you know, as we grow, we have now um, 30 full-timers here, and my main job is to manage the full-time staff. I have managers who manage the part-time staff, but that doesn't really mean that I don't want to also get, you know, from them what they're looking for, you know, and what their day looks like. And so it's really, for me, there's, like we talked about, there's really no days off. Um, I do recharge during the week if I need to. I'll take a day during the week because weekends are when the magic happens here. And so for me, weekends aren't really a thing, you know. Take me back. Okay, so you you touched on something that I'm fascinated with, which is, you know, the trajectory through college into a profession. And, and, uh, I mean, you hear a lot of this stuff, I know, from from Gary Vee about, you know, how – a lot of times folks are, you know, they're going through college because they feel like they have to get through college and they wind up with eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 in mm-hmm. student loan debt when they graduate and, and no real opportunity to pay that back. And so a lot of people that are working there are probably, you know, looking at the, it, looking at it as a job versus an, an opportunity for a, a lifetime and a career. You went to, did you go to culinary school or, or what, what was your background? I went to uh, SUNY Oneonta for dietetics. So I thought I was going to be a dietitian when I grew up. Um, I that is a uh, it's kind of it's a little bit more downstate from where I'm located now, but this is my hometown area where I am now. Um, I graduated from college and then decided I was going to come home work for the summer, and then I had actually a full ride at uh, in Missouri it, for exercise nutrition, and so. I was going to go get my master's in exercise nutrition, and I had a grad assistantship, and so it was a really sweet deal. And when I moved back here, the wine industry was, this was 10 years ago, so it was here. It's very established, but still working towards notoriety as we are now um, as a world-class wine-producing region. And so I I, um, I got a job at this little tiny winery called Nagy's Newland Vineyard. as a summer job just to make money while um, I was waiting to go to you know my next thing and my whole life since I was 13 I've been in hospitality so I started bussing tables at a diner where you had to wear a poodle skirt and um <laughs> and then worked my way full-time through college I worked at an Italian restaurant um in Oneana called the Italian Kitchen which has since um closed the owners retired um but it's always been kind of in my blood my mo- my mom was a professional server for years and years and then when I was in um, college, she went back to college actually and became, she works in um, social work now uh, for a different county. But um, so it's kind of always been in my background. Um, I just, and I didn't really look at it as a good or a bad thing. It was just kind of what, what I knew, you know, like I said, my mom was a single mom and um, worked throughout my whole life as a server. And so um when I came back here to the winery and got a job, I'd never heard of it before. And um, I, I thought, well, this will be cool because I already had interest in wine and um, met the owner, Dave uh, Mansfield, first. He had just sold his business and uh, was building these, these three wineries. And it, you know, it was just this concept. There was kind of structures here, but nothing was finished. Um, and the small winery he bought was just operating. There were 
hardly any customers that ever came to it. And so I started just talking with him a lot about what his goals were for the business and helping set up some stuff, some um, layouts and things of each of the buildings and got really excited about it and applied for the general manager position here uh, 10 years ago. And so believe it or not, I actually didn't get that position. He didn't hire me because I was right out of college and he didn't feel like I had enough experience. He said, if you want to stay, I'll make you an assistant manager. And so I just saw opportunity and said, I, I know I can do this and I'll prove it to you. Uh, within the first six months, the general manager didn't make it. It was a lot of hard work, incredibly, uh, an incredible amount of hours. Um, and so as we were building the business, we also built trust between myself and Dave and now his wife, Luann, who's really involved, gotten more and more involved um, in this business as the kids, their kids, you know, grown up and gone to college and moved out of the house. Um, and about five or six, it's actually probably six, five or six years ago now, I can't remember, um, they asked me to partner with them. And so they sat me down and said, like, look, we really value you. Um, we want you to stick around. We want you to stay here. And um, we want you to become a partner here at the winery. And that's kind of where things started um, to evolve. You know, in 2009, we, we opened a brewery tasting room on site. Uh, the beer was all made off site. But last year, we built um, a $3.5 million microbrewery on site, too. And so there just has been this tremendous amount of potential here for me. Um, but I never looked at myself and said, well, this isn't a profession for me. You know, I always thought, well, this is just kind of what I'm meant to do. You know, I'm really interested in hospitality. I'm really interested in marketing and branding. And um, even though it's the hardest part of my job, it's probably also the most interesting part of my work is dealing with and handling, you know, the big staff that we have and um, all of the HR that goes behind that. And so as the business has grown, it's been an incredible learning experience for me. And um, I'm really glad I made the choice not to get my master's and, you know, like you said, get myself more in debt. And so um, I was very lucky that, you know, I kind of consider myself one of the lucky people because also I came from a pretty um, poor family. And so I got a lot of um, financial help through low interest loans and things like that. I don't have an incredible amount of college debt behind me. I talked to some of my friends who went to school to become lawyers and doctors and their monthly student loan payments are my mortgage payment. And so yeah. it's incredible to me um, and sad that that's kind of what they had to do to, to live their dream. And so I, I consider myself one of the lucky people, but I was also, I worked my butt off and I'm still mm -hmm. working my butt off. Um, and so Although I didn't go on to the next step, you know, in college, it's nothing I ever regretted. Um, I'm glad I did go to school because I don't think I would have been afforded the opportunity to even apply for the position if I didn't have that hospitality minor behind me. Um, I don't think that just my experience in hospitality would have even gotten me a second look. Well, but you've also got um... – you've got a lot of grit, you've got a lot of determination, you've got a great work ethic. And one of the things you said is, which I find to be really, and my, my kids, I've got three kids and I talk to them about this stuff. And as I grow, I'll continue to try to drive it home, which is you said you talked to Dave and Luann about their goals for the business and what they were trying to do. You were focused on them and what they wanted to do and how you could facilitate that, not on you. 
I think that's mm-hmm. a big thing. I think it's, and again, once again, I'm, you know, it, the other stuff became the byproduct um, of, of that kind of work ethic and that focus on, you know, helping somebody else achieve their objectives. And I think it's such an important part of success in business um, is to have that mindset and sort of to be what you would buy, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, would you, like, if, if, if the situation were reversed, would you hire you? Would you want to bring you in as a partner? Would you want to, you know, what what would you need from somebody to to want to facilitate their success? And it would be, you know, those qualities I think that, that Dave saw and and also the determination to say, okay, fine, you know, I'm not going to be the GM now, but I'm going to work my butt off to to, to earn that um, and not, you know, not expect it, but but go earn it. And you did that. So that these are great qualities. You have so many natural um, uh, business instincts and um uh, it's just it's really interesting to hear you talk about you know the, sort of your tra- tra- career trajectory and where you've come from and where you are and, and where you have to go. Do you – is that something that – to me that would be something that, you know, if I were getting into um, the restaurant business and maybe I'm a server but maybe I've got that same mentality. Do you feel like there are opportunities for people to grow? And I would imagine I know the answer to this with all that you are doing, but are, are there good career opportunities for folks to grow within the business that you all have built and are building and to start, you know, maybe on, on, on the bottom floor but, but build into something that, you know, if you've got that same work ethic and that same passion to, to help the business achieve its goals, do, do people have opportunities to, to grow and have a, a true lifelong career within what y'all are doing? There absolutely is. Um, yes. I, actually, every single person who works here has done that. And so mm. every single person who works here full-time started in the tasting room. And, yeah. um, you know, anybody who hasn't started in the tasting room, quite frankly, hasn't worked out. Um, they, you know, I can use a lot of examples of people that work here that are just incredible success stories and they're still continuing to to strive and reach for more. Um, one that comes to mind is, um, well, so I have a, a VP of operations here. Her name is Michaela. She went to school for Chinese language. And when she came here, she was working at a local uh, hotel and she um, was just kind of looking for a job, trying to figure out what she wanted to do. And she was applying for jobs in, you know, another country. She's applying for teaching jobs. And she's still, her focus is completely on what she thought, she thinks she's supposed to do with her degree. And when, you know, she was just a great employee. She was showing up before or on time. She was volunteering to work extra hours. She was taking on more responsibility. She was approaching me for more responsibility as a part-timer. And when a job came open for her, I said, hey, I know that, I said to her, I know this isn't what you want, you think you want to do, but you're doing a really good job at this. And if you want it, here it is. And so she said, you know what, I I really love working here. I love what I'm doing, and so I think I'm going to do this. And she did, and she's still here today. She's been here for six or seven years. She's grown from tasting room manager to the VP of operations for all of the tasting rooms. And so um, that's a great success story example. You know, I have another person. Her name is Barb. She started in the tasting room, and she had a background in retail management. She worked at, like, for Aldo Shoes, um, in a mall setting and she was a manager there and just hated retail, just didn't want to be involved in it anymore. And so she came to the tasting rooms 
um, is a part-timer. And then, again, she just said, I really like it here, and I want to make a place for myself. And so these, pe- these are people who see that once they start working hard and let go of, you know, where can I get, what can my title be here, um, mm-hmm. that you recognize – I, you can't go a day without recognizing the hard work that they do. She does all the visual merchandising for all of the businesses now, and um, she's a tasting room manager. I have another person. Her name is Cassie. She um, doesn't have a background where she went to college. She um, she was taking some classes at a community college when I met her, and she was interested. She thought becoming a nurse. Um, and so she started working here and saying, wait a minute, this is for me and I can do this and I want to do this. So how can I set myself up for success? And all of these people, all they did was just work hard and ethically and honestly and day in and day out with a good positive attitude. So, um, I think that, you know, the opportunity there, I can tell you a ton of stories of people that also didn't work out, maybe not a ton because we do we've only had a few luckily but um there's some people who come in at a management level and they're just missing something and and um usually i think it's just that background of understanding and knowing what you're asking your employees to do before you do it and then also knowing that your title doesn't entitle you and so um mm-hmm. you have to kind of recognize that coming in and, and really be humble and figure out what it means to you to work hard and how you can work for your peers I tell them every day, I'm working for you here. And so my door is always open. You can come in. Um, and I understand that they're the front line. And I've gotten, you know, I've learned a lot of this throughout the years from, um, you know, just learning through, you know, self-improvement, but also from Dave and Luann Manfield here, my partners. They've, they've put a lot of trust and um, capability in me to just go out and do it. And so I don't, I'm not micromanaged here. I think if there was a, if I had to be micromanaged, I'd, it'd be a totally different story because I'm pretty independent. Um, but I earned that as well, you know. And so they didn't just say, "Here's the keys, do whatever you want." They said that you've proven yourself, and we want you to be. You, we want you to be more independent here. We trust your intuition, and you're making the company money. And so um, there's also that whole thing, you know. And and we talk a lot about this company being 10 years old, every single, um, you know, dime we make in the company, we've turned back around and put it back into the company. And someday there's going to be a day where that's not going to happen, but that's not this year um, because we're so interested in growing. But the other key point keeping in, in keeping good people and making people happy is paying them a living wage. And so I, we have, I have a lot of colleagues that we talk, you know, behind kind of behind closed doors about our businesses and get advice and um, really have honest conversations. And some of the things I say to them is, look, you've got to pay these people more. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't expect them to stick around for that. They can't live off of that. And so that's also an important key. I mean, I don't lead with that, but it is definitely a thing. You know, nobody can work for 10 years for, you know, the same lifestyle as they did 10 years, they lived 10 years ago. So um, it's an important thing, I think, to also recognize. Well, one thing that, you know, I always, I always find it interesting, like the things I would call measurable and the things that are immeasurable. So you can measure what you're paying somebody. Mm-hmm. But what you can't measure is 
if you don't pay them enough and they leave, what is the cost to your business of losing that person, of finding somebody to replace them, all the training that has to be done and, and so forth? That's not really measurable. Um, and so, re- you know, <clears throat> paying folks well so that they want to stick around and just re- eliminating that problem from the business makes the business run so much smoother. And while you look at your cost and go, gosh, this is something I can see on a piece of paper, um, you can't see that immeasurable, you know, downside of, of constantly having to, you know, replace people because you're not paying them enough. And I'm sure that's the, the conversation you have mm-hmm. with those folks. Well, there's, there's also the downside of having the same, the same people on the team if the team is stagnant. So bringing new, you know, blood, new life into the business is always a positive thing too. Um, so I don't want to make it sound like we're not interested in that, and that's yeah. not the case at all. I'm more interested in also nourishing these people that started with us and giving them the tools that they need to improve and continue to excel. And I think that if they're if they're the right person, then they want to do that. Um, and so we're lucky here that we've been able to find some people that are really interested in continuing to improve their professional life um, and not just kind of day in and day out. Nobody wants the grind. And so once you're right. there, you might as well just, you know, you can't. You just can't work every day like that and be happy. And that's what we're all here for is to come to – we spend most of our lives at work. And so you might as well be happy here doing it, you know. There's always – problems here and there but if you take them and look at them in perspective and try to continue to be positive i mean that's the key i could talk to you all day i love this uh, but i know you're busy so i'm gonna let you roll i will say this has been awesome and you have an infectious uh personality erica and just i mean just very um you just I, I bet you inspire a lot of people that are around you. So I really appreciate this. I'll, I will say, since you listen to podcasts, have you listened to uh, How I Built This? Uh, no, I haven't. Check it out. I bet you'd like it. It's, it's, um, it's an NPR podcast, and but they interview people that have built businesses. And many of them you would know. I mean, you know, anybody from like um, the guy who who founded Patagonia, Kate Spade, Dell Computers, um, Cliff Bars. Virgin Airlines. I mean, all these folks have built successful businesses, and it just kind of has, you know, they 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 share their story and what they did and what they learned, and um, so you might enjoy that as well. Oh, great! Um, I love a new podcast. Thank you. Yeah, you'll get addicted. You'll start rolling through these things pretty fast. It's a really good one. But um, hey, listen, thank you so so much for doing this. Thank you, and you all. And by the way, thank you for your business. I mean, you've been a customer of Schedule for ten years at Three Brothers Winery, so um, that means the world to us, and we are just humbled and, and thankful for the chance to serve you and your crew for all that time. Oh, thank you too. I spent a lifesaver. I used to, honestly, I used to just get post-it notes and, and day off, time off requests written on the back of a napkin or a receipt paper. And they were just all over the place. I had my own Excel sheet trying to keep track of them all. And um, it was just, I, I thought to myself, I actually tried a different, I can't remember what the name of, of it was, but I tried a different one before I found Schedule Fly. And once I found Schedule Fly, I was like, this is it. It saved me so much time. So um, I really appreciate you guys and what you do too. And thank you uh, for the chat. It's been a good way to start off my Monday. Good. All right. Well, cool. Well, listen, I'll let you roll. Thank you. Have a great week. And uh, we're always around if you need anything. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye.